All right, so chapter 4, verses 31 through 36. Then he, who's, who's he, by the way? Jesus, yeah, Jesus. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Say that with me. His words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. Jesus says, Be quiet. I love it. Be quiet. Come out of him. Say that with me, church. Be quiet. Come out of him. The demon throws the man down before them, but you'll notice he came out without injuring him. Verse 36, all the people are amazed. Everyone say amazed. They're amazed and they say to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. So it says they're in Capernaum. Been to Capernaum before. Anyone here been to Capernaum before? Some, some people call it Capernaum, but Capernaum. Uh, they call it, by the way, we have a picture here of, they call it the hometown of Jesus. But that's kind of awkward, right? Because where did Jesus grow up? Nazareth, right. But he, he did have his earthly ministry. Capernaum was the home base for his earthly ministry. So uh, there you go. You, you see that uh, it's the hometown of Jesus, as, as they say. It's also where Peter's house was. I got a picture of this. Um, so that up there is not Peter's house. That is a church, but it's a Catholic church that was built right on top of uh, St. Peter's uh, house. You're going to see a lot of Catholic buildings where those holy sites are. But there, there was Peter's house in Capernaum. And then also we have a picture of a synagogue. So this is where the synagogue would have been uh, in Jesus' time. This is kind of the setting of, of this passage. Now, when you're in Capernaum, you also get to eat St. Peter's fish. I have a picture of my meal here. So you eat the, the whole thing. Um, if that's not your cup of tea, they also have chicken strips. So there you go. <laughs> Peter, Peter's chicken, St. Peter's chicken. <laughs> but here he's in Capernaum and he's teaching all these people. In verse 32, it says the people are amazed. Other versions of the Bible say that the people are astonished. They're amazed. They're astonished. And why are they amazed? Again, because his teaching, his words has Authority. 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 It's such an important word for today's message. The Greek word there, I want to put it up on screen. Exousia. Read it with me. Exousia. The potential and resource to command, control, and govern. Do you think Jesus has authority? <laughs> Amen. It's the potential, meaning you, you can actually do it, right? It's, it's actually a possibility. It, it could happen. And resource meaning that you have the backing, you have the power to actually see it happen. And his words have that authority. His words mean something. So his words, they're not just empty words. You ever have someone speak to you and you know they're empty words? You don't have to admit that, but yes, of course you have. Uh, we've all done that before and we've had it done to us. But uh, it's not like just the words kind of go out of Jesus' mouth, kind of go into the atmosphere, dissolve, and nothing happens. No, when Jesus speaks, things happen. Amen? Right? When Jesus speaks, things begin to move. When Jesus speaks... Things happen because his words have authority. You see his authority numerous places in Scripture. The very next chapter in Luke, chapter 5, if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip it a couple of pages. 
you're going to see this authority that Jesus has to forgive sins. It's a pretty popular story. He heals the paralytic. Remember, they make the hole, they lower the mat. And he says, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. You also see this authority in this incredible story with this little girl, a little girl who had died. So she's dead, and he comes to her, this, this dead little girl, and he tells her, uh, he takes her hand, and he tells her, get up. Remember that story? Little girl, I tell you, get up. And immediately, look at the authority of his words, immediately the girl stands up and she begins to walk around. Church, immediately the girl stands up, begins to walk around. His words have authority. And it's not limited authority, by the way. He tells us, you've heard this before, he says all authority. How much authority? All authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven and on earth. So again, with our definition, he has the potential, he has the resource, the power to command, to control, to govern in heaven and on earth. As I heard a pastor say recently, and I love this, he, he said that Jesus had the right and the might. Jesus had the right and the might. The right. So he has the right to do what he's going to do, but he also has the might, the power to do what he says he's going to do. His words are not empty words. They have power and authority. The authority, by the way, given to him by his heavenly father, right? We even see that in John chapter 17, verse 2. He tells us that the father granted Jesus authority over all people. So here in this synagogue, it's a pretty amazing scene. This is a special passage that we're walking through. People are beginning to realize this. Something's different about this guy. He has authority and probably an authority like they had never seen before. I'm sure there's other people that had come in and tried to declare things and make statements. But no one like this before had come in with such authority. And because of this, they begin to listen to what he has to say. For instance, if someone came in right now. Maybe uh, with a certain authority, maybe a government official, maybe a policeman. Well, we would listen to what they have to say because they come in with a certain authority that's been given to them. Well, I was at a Mariners game on, on Thursday night. I think I have a picture of it. I, I took Jeremy with me, our assistant uh, supervisor, who is a former Mariner, played third base for the Mariners in the 80s, Dave Edler. Uh, he had two extra tickets, pretty nice seats. Thank you, Jesus, for Dave Edler. But he brought us to the Mariners game, which we won like 14 to 2. So you should take me to more Mariners games, obviously. Um, But we went to this Mariners game. Something happened. Jeremy, I I don't know where he is, but maybe he remembers uh, what happened. There was two people, two gentlemen. They had had, um, what often happens at games, a little too much to drink. And so they were definitely not in their correct seats, right? And to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they were lost. So they were lost. Uh, but the Mariners lady who works for the Mariners organization, she noticed uh, that they were lost. And so with the authority that the Mariners had given her, she went down to speak to them. Her words meant something. Now, it is kind of comical. Uh, after about five minutes, without exaggeration, Jeremy can back me up on this, five minutes of them scrolling through their phones, not making this up, looking for their tickets... I was like, what were they thinking? Like, oh, just a second. Oh, the Internet's bad. You know, whatever. But they're scrolling. Finally, they, the game is up, right? They don't have tickets. The lady has asked them to stand up, and she removes them. She removes them with that authority. If I would have tried to do that, you know, like I might have a black eye right here. But she comes in 
with that authority. And they get up and they leave. And so in the synagogue, I, I just really want us to feel what is happening. And the issues of God and the issues of God's kingdom and the issues of the Messiah, the Christ, coming back to earth, that Jesus in this synagogue, and then again, a synagogue, a place of learning, a place of worship for the Jewish people, they are waiting. They are expecting God's kingdom to come. And it's right here in that synagogue that people are beginning to listen to Jesus, even beginning to believe that his words come in with authority, an authority that even maybe comes from God. Now, the next verse says that in the synagogue there was a demon-possessed man. Wow. Like, in the synagogue, by the way. So not outside the synagogue, not on the way home from the synagogue, but right there, smack dab in the middle of the synagogue, there's a man possessed by a demon. And he cries out at the top of his voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So Jesus, he's talking, he's teaching, people are listening, people are amazed. Except, I'm not going to point to anyone, except for this guy. Because <laughs> I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, anyways. So except for this guy, uh, he's not so amazed, right? He's, 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 in fact, he's so not amazed, he cries and says, go away, what do you want with us, Jesus? I can't tell you how many times that still happens today, to this day, right here. Like, we'll gather together, we'll get together as a body, as a church, as a family, and then there's someone, and this happens not outside the church, not on the way home from church, but right here, someone sitting here against Jesus, completely against what Jesus is doing. Ask any pastor or leader here at LifeSpring who's been here for any amount of time, we see it all the time. By the way, it's demonic. It's demonic. It's not from the Lord, whether it's a spirit of jealousy Maybe a spirit of envy, spirit of anger, spirit of bitterness, divisiveness, self-righteousness. A demonic spirit rises up within that person. And it's amazing how often you get to witness this. Where again, we are all amazed in the presence of God. But even right there in the midst of the beauty and the power of his presence, this evil spirit begins to manifest itself in people. But we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked. This is the way it's been. For a couple thousand years. And you see this account in Capernaum. The man begins to cry out. But then hopefully we can be wise enough as followers of Christ. That you realize this man. Right? It's not the man crying out. Who is it? It's the demon that he's possessed with. The demon rises up, manifests, says, go away. See, the demon, by the way, really needs Jesus to leave. Because if you've read the Bible, demons don't do so well in the presence of Jesus. Like, they don't stand a chance. So the demon, I don't know what he was thinking, but the demon is like, oh, I got a plan. Jesus, you go away. But then look what happens. Verse 35, no, you go away. You be quiet, Jesus says. Be quiet. Come out of him. You stop talking. You be quiet. You leave. The demon throws the man down, comes out of him without injuring him. That's pretty amazing, right? The demon wants Jesus to go away, but Jesus turns it around and says, no, you be quiet, come out of him. Don't you love that about Jesus, church? Don't you just love that about Jesus? Almost like Jesus, he's saying, you know what, actually, I'm not going anywhere, but you, you get to go. You ever taken that stand before? I hope you do, church. Take that authority. No, 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 no. No. You got this equation all wrong. You be quiet. You go in the name of Jesus. So what happens? 
The demon leaves. It kind of reminds you of that girl, doesn't it? The girl that was dead. What did he say? He said, get up. What did the girl do? Get up. <laughs> he tells the demon, you go away. What does the demon go do? It goes away. It leaves. So Jesus' words have authority, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're told already the people were amazed that Jesus was teaching, right? We already saw that in the very first verses. Already they're in awe of the authority that his words have. But then this happens. Like it's only getting better. The Bible says, verse 36, all the people, they're just amazed. They're looking at each other. They're saying to each other, like, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. It's a great passage. I hope it encourages you today, church, as people who follow Jesus, as people who are serving Jesus don't you just love passages like that in the Bible? I mean, I love it. I love my king. I love my savior. I love the one that I serve. I love that he is not a powerless religion, but he is God. He is the one who has been given all authority and power on heaven and on earth. The rest of our time together, I want to cover just a couple of personal applications from this passage. Again, if you're taking notes, you want to maybe want to write some of this down. Number one is this. Am I amazed by Jesus? Am I amazed by Jesus? Do you know what I mean, right? Like, am I amazed by what Jesus has done in my life, what Jesus is doing in my life, and what Jesus will do in my life? Am I amazed by his words? Am I amazed by the authority and the power that Jesus has in my life? It's an important question because many people, I think, in this world believe in Jesus. Many people believe that he was born, that he died, maybe even believing like what we talked about last Sunday, that he raised from the dead. So sure, maybe you believe in him, but are you amazed by him? This is important because living amazed is a totally different way to live. And it's a choice as well. You get to choose to live amazed. Again, in that room, not everyone was amazed. When was the last time you allowed church to let Jesus take your breath away? When was the last time where you're just like, whoa, did you see what Jesus just did? I was amazed by Jesus just a couple of weeks ago. I was at a Bethel concert over at the Opera House, Bethel Music. We sing a lot of their songs, like Goodness of God, the song we sang today, that's a Bethel song. But uh, right in the middle of that concert, it was pretty cool. They had a time of healing, kind of like what uh, Mary had us walk through today. And, and, and people were able to raise their hands and be prayed for. And there was a guy a couple rows in front of me. He raised his hand. So I went down, put my hand on the shoulder, prayed for him. And then afterwards they go, hey, was anyone healed? And, and that man raised his hand to say he was healed. Church, he was healed by Jesus. He was healed. Jesus healed that guy. Amazed. Amazed by Jesus. Just Monday night, I, I left the council meeting, and we have an amazing council here. But just uh, as the council meeting went on, and as I left that meeting, I, I was just speechless. I was amazed by Jesus on a daily basis, right? Things happen where I'm just standing back in amazement of the Lord. Our daily reading plan this week, was it not just amazing if you're following with us? Uh, Lori Koval, if you're somewhere, yeah, you're right over there. Lori, the things that you wrote on Tuesday, almost every day, just amazed by that. Tucker Mayer, Tucker's in the camera. The things you wrote on that daily reading plan, the things of the Lord, amazing. Yesterday morning, I just wrote it last night to you guys, that yesterday morning, the words that uh, Ray Mayer wrote and, and, and others, I was amazed by Jesus working in and through each one of you. So are you living amazed by Jesus? Because remember, a whole crowd of people were amazed. But there was another person who was ready to stand up, shout out loud, get out of here, Jesus. 
there was someone in the midst of amazement ready to curse the name of Jesus. We've got to be wise to realize that Jesus, he can speak a word. He can speak a word like he did in that synagogue or like he often does here on Sunday mornings at church or like he does in our Monday through Saturday lives. And many of us can stand up and we can just praise Jesus for how awesome he is, how good he is. But that same word, with the same word, others will begin to curse his name. And yet it's the same word. Do you guys catch what I'm talking about here? This is so important. Because how are you responding to the Word of God in your life? How are you responding to the Word of God in your life? How are you responding to the move of Jesus in your life? Are you amazed? If not, ask the Lord today. Just to give you new eyes of faith. Even as I'm speaking, just begin to pray to Him. Say, God, would you give me new eyes? Lord, would you soften my heart towards the things of heaven? That instead of hostility, instead of anger, instead of that spirit that rises up of divisiveness, of of bitterness, that instead I would respond to your words, Jesus, your words of authority with amazement. All right, that's number one. Number two, am I set free by Jesus? Really, this should have been number one, but am I set free in Jesus? Because I love how Jesus sets that man free from the demon, and the Bible says that the demon left the man without injuring him. God is so good, right? Even when he sets you free, he sets you free without injuring you. Do you want people, by the way, around you to be set free? Maybe write down some of their names as you're taking notes. Do you want to be set free? Do you want to be set free? In our culture, in America, you know, we don't talk a lot about people being demon-possessed, right? That's not probably the best way to grow a church. Not a real popular uh, title of a sermon. Uh, Demon-possessed by Dan Bursch. No, probably not. (laughs) And you don't see demons, by the way, manifesting themselves in ways where people are thrown around and uh, thrown down uh, in the United States. You still see it uh, in other countries. Uh, I've seen it a few times in my life. But let's not be ignorant. Church, in our country, right now, we are surrounded by people who are being greatly influenced by demonic forces. Let's not kid ourselves. And do we have a passion, do we have a desire within us to see these people lovingly set free in the name of Jesus? If you do, and I hope we do, ask the Lord to give you open doors. Ask Him to give you opportunities just like that. Open, open doors, opportunities to tell your loved ones, to tell your co-workers, your neighbors, whoever it is, to tell them about Jesus, that you'd be bold enough to share His Word with them. Because here's the, here's the deal. Listen up. His Word has authority. When you speak His Word, His Word will set them free. If you're not a Christian here this morning, please hear what I'm saying. You can leave here living in true freedom. You can leave here today living in true freedom. See, the devil, he thinks he owns you. The devil, he thinks he's got you. Just like that man in that synagogue. But Jesus can set you free. Jesus wants to set you free. He has the authority to set you free. You know, I prayed for you this week. I prayed that the Lord would give us a word today. And he gave me John chapter 3, verse 17. And I want to read it to you right now, just that we would feel the authority and the power that Jesus has in this room. This is what it says. For God, 
He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. For God, I hope you're listening. For God, this is for someone in this room today. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, but to save you through him. Someone here today needed to hear that. That God did not come to condemn you. He didn't bring you here this morning. He didn't stir your heart to come to this service today to condemn you. To bring you shame. He came to stir your heart that you might be here. That you might be saved in his name. If that word is for you, one, I'd love to talk to you. But also if you want to be saved by Jesus, just begin to talk to him. Tell him that you believe in him. As much as you know how that you believe in him, you trust in him, that you're willing to serve him, to follow him. And he will set you free. Whatever has its hold on you. There's a long list of things, right, that could have a hold on a human being on this earth. But whatever's been tormenting you, whatever's been trying to kill you, bring death and destruction, Jesus speaks right now to that thing in his name, in his authority. He speaks to that thing that has tried to steal your life. And even as we're speaking, we can declare that in the powerful name of Jesus, that wicked thing is silenced and removed and you are set free. I believe that. I have confidence in that. And if that's for you, just begin to celebrate that the Lord has set you free. You're free. By the way, if that is you, we have a free gift for you. It's the starter kit. Uh, There's some next steps for you as you continue your journey with Christ. We also have a Bible in there that we want to give you. And I'd love to talk to you, take you out to coffee. Let's go on the journey together. Hallelujah. All right, number three. Am I prepared by Jesus? Am I equipped? Am I trained up? In Jesus, it's so important. Uh, anyone been living the Christian life for 20 years or more in this room? Yeah. So I, I think after a while, you just begin to realize how important it is to be trained up, to be equipped, to be prepared by Jesus. Because again, there are spiritual forces at work in our town. There are spiritual forces at work in our state, in our country, in our world, in the people around us. Again, and maybe it's family members, co-workers, neighbors, you name it. There are people who are being used by the evil one. And it's weird to talk about this. I get it. Like, it's not a normal Facebook conversation. But we just got to get over the fact that it's a part of our reality. There's a spiritual reality. And then sometimes I'm even afraid to talk about it because then there's also, also those people that just get really weird about it, right? Don't get weird about it. And by the way, some of the people that really love to talk about this, I've noticed their lives are a mess. They're the most tormented, negative, divisive, not fun people to be around. So I'm not even sure that's wise either. But come on, let's not kid ourselves to think that somehow we have evolved from the days of Jesus. Right? That we are on the other side of the enlightenment and science has removed all mystery, removed all the, you know, the spiritual element of humanity. Now it is all math and reason and logic and science. Who are we kidding? Whether you like it or not, we live in a spiritual world. It is a spiritual world. As Christians, the Bible is not silent in this area. The Bible tells us, even here's one for you, if you didn't know this, this is pretty amazing. It doesn't say it once, it says it throughout the Bible. The Spirit of God... Because of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God. Do you remember where the Spirit of God dwells now? In me. Yeah, in you. and me. Me too. But in us. 
the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. We Christianize the hay out of that thing, but come on, that is crazy. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the one who created the heavens and the earth. Where is he? What? What? Praise the Lord. I hope that's an encouragement to you today. There's a Spirit of God. In fact, Jesus said, remember John, uh, I think chapter 16, he said, Hey guys, i got to leave. I gotta, remember why he said I have to leave? I have to leave so I can go to the Father. Ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. That you can live by the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit. Helped by the Holy Spirit. Able to do more than you can think or imagine. All by the power of the Holy Spirit. Living where? Within us. Praise the Lord. So we have the Spirit of God living in us. But then we also know there's other spirits in this world. The Bible even talks about how we need to kind of be ready for that, that we need to put on the full armor of God. Have you, have you heard that phrase before, full armor of God? He says you've got to put on that armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, he says, is not against, this is the Apostle Paul, he says our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It isn't against humans, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, I grew up in the church, and I, I think sometimes you can make the armor of God just a little bit too cute. You know what I mean? Like you, you know what I'm talking about if if, if you've grown up in the church. Like, kind of just kind of more poetic. Kind of well, isn't this a neat little metaphor? Oh Jesus, help us! What are we doing? There is a battle raging on, church. Again, whether you believe in it or not, whether you like it or not, the devil right now has schemes against you. He hates you. He hates your family. He wants nothing more than your death and your destruction. But did you know in that battle, by the way, in the spiritual battle, it is not like it's a battle between two equal opposing forces. In Christ, like we are on the winning side and it's not even close. It's a lopsided victory. In fact, Jesus on that cross, he crushes the head of Satan. Colossians 2 talks about it. Look, this is so good. This is about Jesus' death on that cross and what he did in that spiritual realm. He says that Jesus, he canceled the record of debt. We, each one of us, we had a record of debt, right? Our sins, there was a record of debt that stood against us. But Jesus, on that cross, he canceled that debt along, by the way, with its legal demands. He said, this is set aside, nailing it to the cross. What else did he do? The next verse, it says, Jesus, on that cross, he disarmed the rulers, disarmed the authorities. He put them to open shame, public display, triumphing over them in him. Praise the Lord. This is so good. I I hope you just see how good this is, what we have in Jesus. I love how John Piper describes all of this. uh, Piper says this. He goes, when Christ died for our sins... Satan was disarmed and defeated. The one eternally destructive weapon that he had was stripped from his hand. Namely, his accusation before God that we were all guilty and that we should all perish with him. But when Christ died, that accusation, it was nullified, right? It was paid in full. All those who entrust themselves to Christ will never perish. Satan can never separate us from the love of God in Christ. Praise the Lord. So we find victory. We sing about it all the time. Victory. Victory. Spiritual victory in Jesus. But then we've got to be wise enough, church, to realize that even though we have victory in the cross, there's still a battle that rages on. 
And yes, Revelation tells us one day Satan's going to be cast in that lake of fire. But until that day, church, do not be messing around with evil forces. Do not be playing a game. This is not a game, church. Do not be messing around with the evil spirits. And you know where that is and you know what that is in your life. And as a pastor who loves you, but also a God who loves you even more, do not be messing around with evil and spiritual darkness. In fact, this is how the Bible says it. Romans 12, 9, he says, hate what is evil. Hate it. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. He says that we should pray for escape from evil. Don't be kind of hanging out in evil. In fact, Matthew 6, he says, lead us not in temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. That we would expose evil, church. That we would take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but we would expose them. That we would not overcome by evil, but we would overcome evil with good. James 4, chapter 7 says it this way, that we would resist the devil and he will flee from you. And finally, be trained up, equipped, readied, fitted, prepared, full of the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do not mess around with this church. Take your stand against the devil in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. When he tells you to leave and go away, have you ever been accused by Satan before? I know that's kind of a weird thing. And, and again, we, we don't even know how to handle this in the year 2019 living in America. But you know what that's like, right? Where he said, no, you need to leave. You need to go away. When he stands against you, when he accuses you, have you ever been accused by Satan? Have you ever had him label you and the label that he put upon you, you know, was a lie. And yet somehow you believe the lie. You ever believed the lie of Satan before in your life? When he comes in, and he accuses you. You say, no, by what Jesus did on that cross in his name, you be quiet and you get out. I'm standing. You go. Have confidence in the authority that you have in the name of Jesus. And remember this. Often that battle is going to happen with someone that you know. Someone in your life that you know. And unfortunately, what we do, and I do this, we all do this. Unfortunately, sometimes we take our stand against that person. Right? We think our war, our fight is with that person. And yet our struggle, that word says, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against humans, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so again, we put on the armor not to pick a fight with a person. Oh Lord, forgive us, right? But we stand, put on the armor to be ready for the attack of the evil one. And then listen to what the Bible says. Follow with me. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything you would stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted perfectly with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, you would take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You would take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you would pray in the spirit and all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this mind, with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying. Always keep on praying for what? For all of the Lord's people. So you stand. You stand with the belt of truth. And I get that I'm even preaching right now a message that people that are in this room need to hear. I get that. I, I think a lot of us are feeling that right now. But for us that are in this room, that we could receive this. 
We are standing with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, sandals of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We're alert. We're awake. Always praying. Again, the question for you, and you might need to write this down. Are you equipped? Are you prepared? Are you trained? Are you ready? Are you standing full of the armor of God? And then number four, the final one is this. Am I using the authority I have in Jesus? Am I using the authority that I have in Jesus? You know, as much as you see Jesus' authority in this passage, a few chapters later, chapter 9, we're told that when Jesus had called his 12 disciples together, what does it say? It says, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus has given you and I his power and his authority. Hallelujah. Acts 3, there's a great uh, story here. You know it. There's a man begging at the temple gate. He's asking for some money. But what does Peter do? What does Peter say to the man? He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he got up and walked, praising God. Jesus tells the dead girl to get up. What does she do? She gets up. Jesus tells that uh, demon to be quiet and get out. What does the demon do? It gets out. And now these men with that same authority, the authority that Jesus has given them, they say, no, in the name of Jesus, you rise up and walk. And what does the man do, church? He walks. Praise the Lord. He walks. He walks. Peter says it's by faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. We have received authority in Jesus' name. Now you go and use it. I want to share something. I just heard this the other day, and I love it. The person said that the authority that we have in Jesus, it's like electricity. So the power company generates the power, and it delivers the power to your house. But it's not your power, but it's under your control. Did you catch that? It's not your power, but it's under your control control you don't call the power company and ask them to turn on the lights no they won't do that they simply generate the power but it's under your command you simply flip on the switch you flip on the switch and you command the power to work again does that mean you're the power source no you can put a light bulb in your mouth nothing's going to (laughs) happen you aren't the power source but you are the one in control of what the power does. You call the power company all you want. They're not going to flip that switch on for you, but you have to take the authority and acknowledge the power is under your command. I think that's really good because that's what Jesus has given us. He's given us power, but he's also given us the authority to use his power in his name. So again, the question, you might want to just write some of this down. Are you using the authority that you have in Jesus? Are you praying with the authority you have in Jesus? I invite the worship team to come back up, but I I have room there for you to write this down. Again, where maybe today you need to remember that Jesus has given you power and authority in his name. Again, I don't know where that is for you, but just begin to write those things. And as much as they were amazed by Jesus in that synagogue, may the world, this is my heart for us today, may the world around us again be amazed by Jesus as you and I flip the switch, as we ask the power of God to do what only He can do. May the world stand in amazement at what Jesus can do through His people. Church, be amazed. 
Church, be set free. Church, be prepared, equipped, ready. But also, church, move forward. Exercise the authority you have in the name of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is so good. This could change many of our lives if if we actually put this into practice. Because we do have a power and authority in Jesus. We know, Heavenly Father, that you gave your Son all authority on heaven and on earth. But we also know that through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given that authority. And we pray that we would be good ambassadors. We'd be good representatives of your kingdom. That we would be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But Lord, that we would not just be a powerless religion, but we would stand full of the armor of God, praying in the Spirit in all occasions for all people, believing not only that you are moving somewhere else in the world, but that you are moving right now in my life today. Lord Jesus, some of us wrote down names. Some of us wrote down situations. Some of us wrote down circumstances. Some of us maybe wrote down an addiction or an area where we just know we need your move. And right now we claim the power and authority that we have in the name of Jesus to set those things free, to set these people free, that you would break every chain, every stronghold, every uh, foothold that the enemy thinks he has in those areas, that they would be set free, they would be broken off right now in the name of Jesus. I love that we can even say, as Acts chapter 3 said, I don't have a lot to give you, but you know what I can give you? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I say that over every area where Satan has tormented anyone in this church, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a trial, disease, suffering, or whatever it is, wherever that ailment is, where you need Jesus to come in, we say in the name of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, because of the debt that was paid for on that cross, because he nailed it to that cross. We know that he has ultimate authority and power over every situation, over every disease, over every circumstance. And in that name of Jesus, in the name that is above all names, we say, be free. Be free right now. Set free in the name of Jesus. Set free right now in the name of Jesus. If it's a sickness, if it's in your knees right now, your knees would be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Set free by Jesus in the name of Jesus. If it's a financial concern right now, Jesus would show you his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. He will be your great provider, Jehovah Jireh, in the name of Jesus right now. He will provide. We thank you, Jesus, that kingdom is, uh, heaven is opened up for us even now, Lord. That we are heavenly creatures. We are heavenly even now. We are sitting in the heavenlies, knowing, enjoying the presence of God in our lives. That we are spiritual creatures that have the living God living within us. And by you and by your spirit, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can even do more than we ever thought, asked, or imagined all by your power within us. And so we exercise your power, Lord, your power, your greatness, your authority, your name, Lord, that your name would receive the glory as you do something supernatural in every person in this room. And, Lord, I just want to conclude with that. Tom's healing. Tom Gordon's healing. Lord, we know that as he is healed, Lord, it is to bring you glory. And it's, a, it's, it's for your, this region. It's for this whole territory. It's for the Pacific Northwest. That the people around, there's thousands upon thousands that are praying for Tom, that are interceding for Tom. And Lord, you know when you take that cancer and remove it, that it is for your glory. It is for your name that you receive all the glory and the praise. And so, Lord Jesus, in the mighty name of your Son, in the name that conquered death, in the name that name 
nailed our accusations to that cross. In the name of Jesus, who cast our sins as far as they are from the east to the west. In your name, Jesus, would you heal my brother. Heal him, Lord, even now. Touch him radically with your supernatural power. Healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord.